Welcome to another episode here at Supernatural's Confessions Podcast, where it is a safe place for you to confess all your experience, be it supernatural, myths, urban legends, superstitions, or even the unknowns. And as a team, we'll compile and feature your confessions on our platforms. You may reach out to us through our Facebook page or website, supernaturalconfessions.com and you are also invited to join us every Friday night on our Facebook live where Eugene, the founder of Supernatural Confessions and I host a weekly live show discussing all about the supernatural. I'm Kim, your host and now on to the show. First confession, it came from a baby Lim. She's telling us about a story that happens to her late grandmother seeing a daughter that she never had. So this story happened before my grandma passed away. She was bedridden due to a bad fall. Back then, I used to live with her in her flat at Tampanese, and she would always tell me during the night, if I hear or see anything, I should just ignore it. At this point, my grandpa had already passed on, but at night, we could hear chairs moving about and someone using the toilet. Each time we heard the sounds, my grandma would ask me to shush and ignore. Fast forward, my grandma sustained a bad fall and was bedridden, I already moved back with my mother at this point of time, but I would go back to visit my grandma daily. One day, when I was visiting her as usual, she told me she had a visitor. Out of curiosity, I asked her who it was. The people that visited my grandma was just me, and I did not bring anyone along, so I was quite puzzled by this news. She said it was her second daughter that came to visit her, but... Here's the thing, she has no second daughter at all. The three children that she has are my mum and her two brothers. My grandma described her visitor, aka the second daughter, as long hair, long nails and a weird smile. This last one is the most creepy shit. The second part of this story is that she passed away on the one day that I did not come over to visit her. We wish Bebe's limb late grandmother may she rest in peace. For further discussion about that particular confession, you can head to our Facebook page Supernatural Confessions and look for that particular live session. Once again, we would like to extend our invites to all listeners to this podcast to join us every Friday for our live session happening at our Facebook page. Once again, just search for Supernatural Confessions. Now on to the next one. 
next confession came from Albert Tan. Legends saying that there were people practicing black magic in the early days when there were villages in Pulau Tekong. The spirits under control by those black magicians would loiter in the dark on every Thursday night. That is why we were told, unofficially told by my platoon RAC, the reason of not to have night training on that particular Thursday night. After I was posted to the SPF, and when I was serving my reservice in the SPF, one Malay reservist told me this creepy incident. My dad was one of the police officers stationed at the police post in Pulau Tekong. One day, he received a call that there were foul smell from the neighbor's house. Upon arrival, he and the villagers witnessed a discomposed corpse lying on the ground and his head is only a skeleton. The scary thing about this story was, his eyes were still rolling around. Subsequently, they buried the corpse. They believed that the Malay uncle was practicing black magic and the spirit was being trapped inside. Even after he passed away, that is why his eyeballs are still rolling. There was actually a belief for these black magic practitioners if they do not do anything to all these things that they kept during the time when they are alive after they have passed away all these things might not only cause harm to himself but these things might cause harm to his family members as well Negara Brunei Darussalam and this next confession came from Dama Mika I didn't believe in supernatural beings until I was sent to Brunei in 2011 for my NS posting I guess seeing is believing my first incident it was my first guard duty there and I was doing sentry duty at about 1.30am in the morning I was alone in the century post when I heard someone give her a sigh. <sighs> I thought it was one of the regulars or my seniors who had sneaked up on me as part of the hazing ritual. I freaked out and came out of my century post only to find no one within a 50 meter radius. Second incident. This happened on the same night as incident one. I was on desk duty at 3 a.m. Feeling bored, I stepped out of the past office to have a chat with the sentry on, on duty that day. In the middle of our conversation, we heard a loud bang. We turned our heads in the direction of where the sound came from, only to see this huge black figure walking casually on the pavement about 150 meters away from us and disappeared into a wall. We wanted to give chase or check where it had disappeared to, but we had to stay at our post. Perhaps that was a good thing. When I returned home a year later, I shared my experience with my father and according to him, going with my description of it looking like a Bigfoot, it's a black figure whose height was about a one-story building and walks like a human. 
he believes that what my friend and I had seen must be a gender rule. Until this day, I'm still puzzled on why it stepped on a drain cover which caused that loud bang. A gender rule is said to be seen all over Java Island, Indonesia. It is described generally as a muscular, hairy humanoid with reddish-black skin and bulging eyes. It is also said to have the ability to communicate with humans and even transform into a human to trick us. They also possess a magnificent sex drive and hypnotic skill. They can seduce women by transforming into their husbands and inhibit the female's uterus to gain sexual satisfaction for both itself and the woman it inhibit. It can even produce human genderuvo hybrid from this relationship. On to my third incident, and this is a long one. I've heard of stories of possession cases where guys get together to drink inside the bunk, but I never thought I would get to witness one myself. It was one of those nights when the guys were in the mood to drink, and as bunk IC, I wasn't supposed to let them, but well, I also didn't want to make enemies. Well, imagine slipping in fear of being the target of a blanket party. I wasn't into drinking, and so I stayed in my bed and read a book. Suddenly, the bunk door burst open and I saw four guys restraining and dragging one guy into the toilet and he was thrashing around. When I asked what was going on, one of the guys who were drinking told me that the one being dragged to the toilet got possessed and according to him, the possessed guy got quiet all of a sudden and started growling during the drinking session only to jump up from his seat and headbutted the fridge numerous times. He was running amok in the mess, kicking the bottles and furniture while shouting, Luciapa! Luciapa! Which means, who are you in Malay? Some of them had been there longer than me and knew what was going on. And that was when they decided to wash him up. The guy who got possessed was not known for his strength at all. Getting a pass for his IPPT was already a tremendous feat for him. But on that night, I witnessed six guys struggle to pin him down. He was causing a commotion and I was afraid that the regulars would wake up, which would then lead to further questioning for me. Feeling desperate, I called up one of the sergeants for help since he was well-versed with Islamic prayers. But see, the thing is, I used to tease him for being boring as there were a lot of things that he didn't do with us due to his conviction to his faith. I never knew I would need his help so very badly. And I looked at him in a different light since then. With the guys pinning the possessed guy down, I gave those on the floor a hose down while the sergeant read out his prayers. The guy who got possessed gradually stopped trashing about as he got disorientated. But I cannot forget, never forget, the piercing stare he gave me during the hose down. Those who got possessed before and during the incident were all Muslim guys. And I wonder if this has something to do with haram, which means Arabic for forbidden, for doing haram things like drinking alcohol. In a fourth and final incident in Brunei, it was during my rest time at 3.30am and my next shift was at 5 in the morning. I couldn't sleep 
And so I decided to head to the camp's canteen alone for the Wi-Fi to download a few videos and check my messages on Facebook with my iPod Touch. I was in the middle of searching for the videos when the water dispenser started bubbling. It was a short one at first and so I ignored it. But the second one lasted about 4 seconds as if someone was pouring a drink even though I was the only one in the canteen at the time. While this was happening, one of the chairs started to move by itself. I made a dash back to the guard room immediately. My friend who was on sentry duty was surprised to see me back in the guard room as he didn't see me coming from the rear view mirror of the sentry post, but only heard my frantic footsteps getting louder and nearer. We used the rear view mirror to spot vehicles and people approaching from the back of the sentry post. Usually we could see things because we relied on that mirror, but this time, he couldn't see me at all. There were a few other stories shared by my fellow campmates about how a pochong stood at the camp's front gate and also another goblin-like creature disturbs the camp prowlers by popping his head from behind the walls in a peekaboo style. But the ones I shared today are my own personal experience. There you have it, another confession by Dharma Mika. Actually, this was posted in our Facebook group and Dharma actually had a few more encounters that he has yet to share but this is what he had learned according to his comment in this particular post. Our fear is their source of strength. I'm gonna continue reading what Dharma has commented under his own post. I remember coming across another black figure standing next to the kitchen window when I was heading to the toilet. When I first saw it, I was actually shocked instead of scared because it was my first time seeing it. And that was when my fight or flight response took over. Instinctively, I made a quick U-turn back to my room. It took me a while to regain my composure and to pluck up my courage to face it again because I really had to go to the toilet. When I made my way to the kitchen, I read my prayers aloud as I walked towards it. The hair at the back of my neck was still standing and my voice was trembling as I said the prayers. But somehow, the being got agitated as it kept stomping its legs like a child does when he or she throws a tantrum before vanishing. Basically, it is important to put up a brave front if you do encounter a supernatural being and not let it feed off your fears. Perhaps, this is also why some of the warnings or advices are basically just to ignore their presence. You are listening to Supernatural Confessions. If you have your own personal encounters to share, reach out to us at our Facebook page, Supernatural Confessions. Remember, we are not alone. The next story comes from Shed Wilson. Sometimes obtaining something that used to belong to someone else might not exactly be a good thing. And this confession will tell you exactly why. I would like to share my supernatural experience that happened back in 2003. My hubby brought home a mirror which he claimed was given to him by a friend. It looked like one of those old-style mirrors. The moment he hung it on the wall in the living room, I began to have this uneasy feeling about it. I don't know why, 
but there's something about it that I do not like. On that very night, something strange happened. I heard some movements in the living room as if someone was moving in front of our bedroom door. My husband was a deep sleeper, not to mention he snores a lot too. I decided to ignore it. The following night, when I went to the toilet in the middle of the night, I was shocked to see an apparition of a woman sitting on a sofa with her back facing me. If I could recall, her hair was all in a bun, like that of a Javanese lady. I rubbed my eyes and took another look, but he was gone. That was enough to give me goosebumps. I woke my husband so that he could accompany me to the toilet. He grumbled, but he accompanied me eventually. When I told him what was going on and what I saw, he just brushed it off saying that my eyes were playing tricks on me. Then the tables were turned. One night, he came back quite late and I was already asleep. When he entered the house, before he could turn on the lights, he was greeted by an apparition of a pale-looking lady in red kabaya and batik sarong. He described her face was without any emotions, but her gaze was mesmerizing. My husband added that she was at the kitchen entrance and floated swiftly towards him. Suddenly, everything turned black and my husband fainted. It was around 2am that I woke up and found my husband not in bed. Thinking that he was not back yet, I decided to just walk out to the living room and perhaps give him a call. And that's when I was shocked to see my husband on the floor in front of the main door. After the incident, he decided to throw away the mirror. He confessed that it was not given to him, but instead, he had bought it at a local thrift store. After the mirror was removed from our house, the disturbance stopped. But the incidents that happened to us will forever haunt us. Is anyone here? What did you find? You are listening to Supernatural Confessions. Our next confession comes from Julian Addison Lim, which was posted in our Supernatural Confessions Facebook group. This happened in the late 1960s or the early 1970s. This is the story of my ex-boss's first encounter of the paranormal when he was probably 12 or 13 years old by then. Let's just call him CL. His father was working for Keppel Shipyard then and the yard would provide lodging for the family. The whole family of six parents and his three other siblings were all relocated in one of the flats in Tiong Baru. They stayed there for three years. Nothing much really happened until they were about to shift to their new flat. And according to Julian, it's three days before shifting. On the third day before shifting out, the family were busy packing stuff into boxes. CL will take a shower before 10pm usually, but because of the moving and packing, he settled himself down at around 10pm before able to go for his night bath. His room to the kitchen and bathroom was connected by a long, narrow passage. In order to go for a shower, he would need to walk past this passage. I guess this is how most all flats are designed. After shower, he was about to walk back to his room through this passage. This is when he saw someone standing right in front of him. It's a lady in blue high neck collar blouse. Not a cheongsam, but those ladies who wear these in their 40s or 50s. 
She was standing above their rice bucket in the older days where Fox kept their rice. He couldn't see her face except for the side profile of her nose because the hair is covering her face. She has no feet, so she knows what that was. CL froze there for like more than 10 minutes or even longer, not daring to move as he need to pass her in order to return to his room. I did ask CL, did you really stand there for so long and not moving? He said that he was too afraid to move as he doesn't know what will happen if he passed her. After standing there motionless for like 15 or more, he decided to make the first approach. By the way, the lady spirit was standing there motionless all this while as well. He decided to talk to the spirit. Uh, I am sorry, e excuse me, I need to pass. He spoke in English because he's a Chinese who doesn't know how to speak Mandarin except Cantonese. After speaking to her, he ran to his room. He saw his elder brother and told him it's his turn to shower without telling his brother about the incident earlier. On the second and last day before the family moved out, CL saw her again after his shower. He just repeated the same saying, excuse me, and ran to his room but he didn't frost like the first night. My ex-boss, CL, is someone who doesn't gossip and most things. He would keep it to himself, so he didn't tell any of his family members. I don't know why, maybe not to scare them. After they moved to their new location sometime later, he told his mum that their old place was haunted. His mum asked him, wearing blue with high neck collar, he was surprised as the lady revealed herself to his mom as well. I'm not sure if his brother saw the same entity, but seems not to because he didn't complain much to him after his shower. His mom told him that his elder sister saw this lady every night at 3 in the morning while washing her clothes in the bathroom. I asked Yel why his sister washed her clothes every night at 3 in the morning. Seal told me his sister is the weird type, so he doesn't know the reason as well. His mom did try to find out who this lady was after the incident. I don't know who she checked with, probably with the older neighbours. She was then told that the lady they saw was the daughter of the house owner. Because the mom kept seeing her daughter in the house, she was so heartbroken so the family decided to rent it out. Her daughter committed suicide in the house because she was a mistress, probably due to relationship issue, so she chose to end her life. That area during the 50s and the 60s, there were many mistresses kept around that area, according to CL. You are listening to Supernatural Confessions. If you have your own personal encounters to share, Reach out to us at our Facebook page, Supernatural Confessions. Remember, we are not alone. For our next and last confession come from a very jolly man named Thomas Laurie. Such a jolly man. What does he has to confess? Well, I don't know whether it's a gifted or, 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 or is it a curse that I can see things, you know? <laughs> As I grew up, you know, I get used to it. I had one experience that I communicate with 
but I was told that I shouldn't communicate with, you know, with the death because they might infect my life. Uh, I, I was told actually by this Chinese lady in Malaysia, because my mom is Malaysian, so we used to go to Malaysia a lot when I was a, you know, when I was a boy. I was actually at my grandfather's funeral where I saw my grandfather, and I told my mom. And beside there was a lady friend of my mom, and she says, "Oh, so you can see your grandfather?" I said, "Yeah, he's standing there, you know, <laughs> you know, yet in the coffin, you know, lying down." <laughs> and uh, and he said, "Don't don't call him." I said, "Why not? It's my grandfather." He said, "No, no, no. Just don't call him. No, don't talk to him. And you know, just, just, just pretend. You know, he's not there. Until later on, you know, talking to people and things like that. Most of them says, yes, they can see me. That's the reason why they they appear to me. Maybe they want to talk to me or or, or ask me question or help them. You know. So I'll be very, very cautious. I I only did one mistake, which it did infect my life a little bit. Just I was in Singapore." We just shifted from our village to live in a in a HDB flat, and it was in Kandang Kerbau in Little India. I was maybe about maybe about twelve twelve years old. Well, then I already know you know what's happening. I went to work in Jalan Sultan in a bowling alley, so I come back quite late sometime. You know, bowling alley. You know, they close about you know eleven o'clock, twelve o'clock, and I was heading back and going out to my mum's house. And there was a playground below, because I smoke. I did not want my parents to know, so I had to smoke, you know, in a uh, in a playground <laughs> before I go up. Suddenly, I I saw an image, well, well, image or or, or or this or this entity was sitting on the other side of the playground. You know, it was this lady, you know, sitting there, and and I was smoking and. And this thing moved towards me. It was quite near that I can smell this beautiful scent. You know, I says, "Hello," and she look at me and and just smile. And so I says, "Okay, nice to see you." But I'm going home. At that moment, she said, "I need your help." I was like, mm, "Okay, what can I do?" She says, "My family live up there." If you can send a message to my family, can you just tell my mom that there was a box in my room that she should look? I say, oh, is that out? You say yes. I say okay, no problem. And tell me where do you stay? You know where your mom stay? This is on the sixth floor where we live on the twelfth floor. So I say fine. I say I'll go and tell her tomorrow. So next day I went to this lady's house. And I don't know how to tell her. But I just knock on the door and I says, you know, I have a message for you. <laughs> uh, your daughter say she have a box in the room that you have to have a look. She say, what daughter are you talking about? I say, your daughter who passed away. And the old lady look at me and says, you know my daughter? I say, yeah, I spoke to her last night. <laughs> I spoke to my daughter last night. But she passed away. I say, yeah, I know she passed away. But she just want me to convey you the message. You say, go have a look in her room. You know, if you find the box. So the auntie was like, okay, 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 okay. You wait here. I go, uh, I go to the room and and see if I can find the box. So off she went. You know, for like ten minutes, and then she came out with the box. She says, 
I have never seen that box before. I says, your daughter said, look inside because there's something important that you should read. What happened was this lady, she was raped and she wrote everything down and she committed suicide, but the family doesn't know. And she wrote everything, everything in this, in this book and, and put it in a box. And the family at last know what happened to her. And they didn't make a report and caught the people who, who raped her. That was an experience that, that I always remember. And, and what, and what uh, th- th- that affected me a little bit. That story concludes this episode of Supernatural Confessions. If you have enjoyed this episode, please rate us with a 5-star review on whichever platforms that you are streaming this podcast on. Go on and tell your friends and family about us. You can find more of our content on YouTube, Facebook and also our website. Search for the keyword Supernatural Confessions. If you or someone you know have a confession to make, visit supernaturalconfessions.com You can send it in text, voice or even video format. Let us know if you want your identity to be kept secret. Supernatural Confessions is created by Eugene Tay. Narrators of this episode's confessions are Sonia Kurana and Eugene Tay. Until the next episode, my name is Kim, your host for this podcast series Signing off with, what cannot be seen, doesn't mean they are not there.